2: Welcome in, everyone, to Scout's Eye on College Football as we break down the week two action in college football, focusing on the top 25 action. And man, What games, what news, we're going to get to all of it. I am Chris Landry on the Landry Football Podcast Network, joining forces with the folks on the Big Game Podcast Network. i got to tell you, folks, you want to be sure to check out the Big Game College Football Streaming Network where you can find America's best independent college football podcast. Excited to be joining these folks, so check them out. Uh, Right there. Also encourage you to check out LandryFootball.com for a coaching and viewpoint on the college and pro games uh, over at LandryFootball.com. Folks, what a weekend it was. I I don't know where to start. It's just one of those things where I look at we could go here, we could go there. I'm going to start with Alabama, Texas. It was a surprising game to me. I thought the game would play out differently. I thought it would be more decisive in Alabama's favor. When I got into the tape, it's what I do, um, is I do consulting work for college teams and pro teams. I live off the tape and what the tape tells me, and then I try to buttress that with uh, connections I have on the coaching staff on what they were thinking on either way. A couple of things jumped out at me. This Alabama team right now, Okay. It does not define it for the season. Folks, you are not defined by one game. They are not getting open at the receiver position. The offensive line play is not very good. They're not very physical. Now, there were problems last year at Alabama. Let's remind folks that before they shipped off Dan Mullen from Florida, it was Florida that outplayed Alabama. Alabama won the game clearly looked like Texas had the better game plan. They executed better relative to their talent level than Alabama did. But Alabama won. Uh, we saw Alabama lose to A&M, more on the Aggies a little bit later. But you're dealing with a situation where they're not quite as physical. And, and why is that? Well, it's a style of offense that they have that is a little bit more prone to the passing game. But here's the other thing that leads to it, because I've talked about this a bunch on LandryFootball.com, is there's not enough physical work in the offseason that prepares you for the hitting, the physical nature. And what we're seeing now is the play at the line of scrimmage in games is not as good overall, in some cases, in most cases. In Alabama's case, it's not. And the only way to get better running the football is to come off the ball Run it. Stay committed to it. And I think they'll get better as the year goes along. But uh, they're not good right now. They were not good Saturday against Texas, pure and simple. The other thing that I think helps a little bit is that I thought that Pete Karakoski did a really good job of giving different looks with the aid of an understanding of what Alabama does from SARC and other members of that staff that are very familiar with the Alabama program. Let me remind you that Pete was the defensive coordinator at University of Washington. Remember when Alabama played them and they won that game, but their offense really stunk in that game? It was a lot of different looks that Pete threw at them. And I thought he, they did a really good job mainly at attacking Bama's protections. That's where the issues have been, and they did a really good job. So what does it really mean? Well, it's great for Texas, moral victory, whatever you want to call it. They certainly rose up with a great game plan, played very well, very, very impressed with um, what they were able to do. But Alabama's got some work to do. You can't protect very well. You can't run block well. Alabama could not run. They got away from the run, and – if they don't run the football better, they're going to have problems. If you can't run the football, the defensive front's going to tee off on your passing, uh, pass protection. And then so Bryce Young is holding the ball too long because his receivers can't get open, and the pass protection is not good. That is not a good combination. That leads to the problems. With that said, they crafted a victory, and maybe it doesn't happen, probably doesn't happen if Quinn Ewers stays in the game for Texas. But they crafted a victory, put the game in the hands of Bryce Young, and they got a win. So you escape, you move on in the world of college football. But there's much work to be done there. Bigger problems in College Station. Boy, how things change so quickly, huh? Remember the the Aggies, and it's they're headed towards a dominance and prominence, and Texas is in the doldrums. Man. Right now, the folks in Texas are optimistic. The folks in A&M are getting ready to jump in one of those bonfires that they're famous of, of running, uh, of putting together. Look, here's what it really comes down to A&M. They do not have good quarterback play. They've got problems on the offensive line, and they ran to an Appalachian State team that ran the football right at them, and A&M had no real answers offensively. They're not good at the quarterback position yet. Haynes King hasn't really done much yet. I think he has talent. I think he can be a potentially good player. But there's a problem right now. He's not ready. They were not good at the quarterback position last year. It's thrown off it's 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 you know, written off due to injuries and whatnot. They're not good enough. And you're gonna have trouble there. And they're not really an offense that's creative. They want to win with a physical line of scrimmage style, the run game, and they—they—if people can slow that down, can they make enough plays in the passing game? But they weren't able to do it against Appalachian State, a team that really couldn't stop North Carolina a lick last week. Now, look—they out—they they played with Carolina, they scored a million points, but this was to me interesting to see that uh, that the Aggies' offense could not do anything, and that's a real concern. Defensively, they got worn down. Defensively, they're young. They're a young team. I think everyone understands or should understand outside of, of Land, is that this AM team was – look, everybody's overrated in terms of if you're going to make a top ten because anybody you put at five or six is overrated because there's a, a, a precipitous drop between the top three teams and – Bit of a gap, I think, to go to like a Clemson and maybe some good teams. More on that in a second. How I got teams graded, but there's a belief that that was the sixth best team in the country. There's no A and M is. It looks like a team that's maybe barely, you know, um, top twenty five ish. They're they're not that type of team. They're, They're overrated in that sense. But they still can be a decent team. But the reality is they're, they're going to lose potentially more games than they might expect. And there's a lot of talk about what the comments made this offseason and the back and forth and the number one recruiting class. And we got a dynasty and we're coming we're coming. Um, I don't know if they're coming. And I don't know when they're coming, if they're coming. And I don't know what direction and what, what you know corner of the road they're coming from. They look like they're trying to find or reestablish an identity. You know, getting players is something they should be able to do, and they're doing it through NIL. There's no doubt about that. But they've got to be able to develop players, and and they're they're struggling a little bit. Look, that offensive line play with a new offensive line coach struggled. Again, couldn't find a way to win the game. We talked about Alabama against Texas. Didn't play well like like against – Florida last year didn't play well, but find a way to win the games. A&M couldn't find a way to win this game. They didn't have an answer. So when you're struggling on the offensive line and you don't have a good quarterback or don't have a good quarterback yet that's not ready, um, you get exposed. They did, and it's going to be a challenge going forward with A&M to try to find a way to get that team to play better. Miami is coming, Arkansas, Mississippi State, then Alabama, You start looking at that. I mean, they're not running, you know, four games off. That's just not happening. It's just not going to happen. They're going to have some issues going forward. Um, Notre Dame, another issue, another problem. This is a team that many thought they played well against Ohio State, but the tape showed me – the problems that Notre Dame had and that Ohio State, and we talked about it on LandryFootball.com, that Ohio State just took the air out of it. They knew that Notre Dame couldn't score, and Ohio State said, well, we're going to run the football. I believe that Ohio State could have been more aggressive, maybe risked some plays, but could have scored more on Notre Dame. I, I just think they took the air out, and they, I think, wanted to exercise that part of their game. I, I think this Notre Dame team – um is devoid of playmakers. The concerning thing is that Marshall punts him in a mile and won this game at the line of scrimmage. Now, he can say, well, you know, some of it, not ready to play. Played a big game last week. This Notre Dame team has got some holes. Um, their talent level is good. It's not great. And they're going to face some teams that are challenging and are going to be difficult for them to have consistent success. Some other thoughts. uh, Boy, Baylor-BYU was interesting. My goodness, Baylor struggling to throw the football, no confidence in their passing game, and BYU is able to get them. What an intriguing game late night. I hope you was able to see it. USC playing well right now, watching them on tape. Pretty clear that their offense is humming. Now, they have it played really good defenses yet i thought in stretches against stanford they showed some ability to win at the line of scrimmage in short yardage goal line situations but i do think that that is something that i would question against a really high level of competition but this is a an improved looking usc team michigan continues to kind of mosey along good team solid team take care of business oklahoma state I thought did a pretty much better job defensively this past week. Uh, We know about their offense. I I, got to give an attaboy, and we're going to give out some um, what we consider kind of game balls or recap the week and hand out some guys that really had special performances in a bit. But, you know, attaboy to Kentucky. I mean, what a job physically they did against the Gators. it's, It's like they get the fact that they play the chip on their shoulder card Very well. Uh, We know that that Mark Stoops has got that Youngstown chip on his shoulder, wants to fight you, and a lot of that basketball school really got under his skin a few weeks ago. They heard all the talk about Florida. Florida coming off the big win against Utah. How would they match it? Kentucky did not run the football very well against Miami of Ohio. They didn't run the football well early against Florida, but you know what they did? A lesson out there? They stayed committed to the run. We run the football, damn it. We're going to run it, and we're going to establish it. And we're not going to give up on it. And their defense, though, allows them to do that. They ran it, and they eventually started to crack Florida's armor. And defensively, they did a good job compressing the passing lanes. And Anthony Richardson missed a whole bunch of throws. There were drops. There were guys open, and he missed them. There was a combination of a lot. So – we learned a lot about Kentucky. We learned you know, something about Florida as well and how their response is going to be interesting. But that's a really good Kentucky team. I thought Arkansas would handle South Carolina, and they did. They handled them, and, and it was, quite frankly, not even as close as South Carolina made it look for a while. This is a good, well-coached, physical, again, line of scrimmage team. Arkansas and Kentucky are fun to watch. If you like line of scrimmage play, if you like imposing your will, they get it. They get it, and they're very, very good. Uh, Some other thoughts around college football, particularly as it relates to the top 25. Georgia was dominant. It was against Sanford. They are playing like the best team in the country. Ohio State takes care of business against Arkansas State. Got into a rhythm early. Uh, Michigan, as I mentioned, played well. Clemson took care of Furman. Uh, Oklahoma is looking really good. I want to see them play a better team. Um, That leads me to who is on their schedule next, Nebraska. (sighs) Nebraska, Scott Frost. That ended pretty quickly this year. Um, A couple of things on that.
1: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: The buyout was considerably less if they would have waited another three weeks. Um, in discussing with the folks there, yeah, it, it makes sense, and everybody said, "Well, they're going to wait until the middle of October. That way, they can basically pay him half of what they owe him." What the readjusted agreement was at the end of last year, with they owe him. That's not what they wanted to do. The program wasn't in; was falling apart. In Nebraska's football history, at home, when they've scored 35 points or more, they were 274 and 0. Never lost. Georgia Southern ran it up and down, and there was just no fight, no direction, no leadership, no organization. And they love Scott Frost. He's one of theirs. It didn't work. It's not working. They probably would have moved on from Scott Frost, Trev Alvarez would have, if Scott wasn't a Nebraska guy at the end of last year. They brought him in, and they didn't want to say, well, we're going to hold on to him for three weeks and – you know, cut his money, buy out money in half. They wanted to send him off and say, thanks for trying. We love you. You're one of us. But we got to move on, and you can sell it, you know, that we're going to do the right thing by you, but we're going to do the right thing by our players. I don't Mickey Joseph come in, and maybe the guys will play freer, less tense. Uh, you know, sometimes maybe they can salvage a season. This team is talented enough to go to a bowl game even though it looks like there's very little chance of that happening. We shall see. More about who they're targeting um, at another time, but they have already making some inroads into who they'd at least like to go after. I'm going to do um, something special and directly on Nebraska and how Nebraska's gone from that program that was dominant under uh, Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne to where they are now, how they got there and kind of the, the reasons for it, and there are plenty. But where they go from here, look, this is not a Nebraska program that's going to be like the program of the big 90, mid-'90s where they were the best team in the country, the best program in the country. But they can at least be Wisconsin or Iowa, the consistent best program in the West. That's what Nebraska can be. That should be their goal, baby steps. You can't be the best program in the country before you can at least be competitive in your own division. And that's a division that needs to match up physically. It's bully ball in the Big Ten West. Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota. Purdue does their thing. They spread it around a bit. They have to. Nebraska has been soft on the defensive lines, soft on the defensive fronts, and quite frankly, they have been soft up front. That is not what Nebraska is, quite frankly. It's one of the reasons why, although it looked, sounded, and felt great that Scott Frost was leaving Central Florida and coming back home to Nebraska, a perfect hand-in-glove fit, right? Well, it's a perfect storyline fit. But who does Scott Frost learn from? His M.O. offensively and his philosophy that he brought with him came from Chip Kelly at Oregon. A little tempo, a little spread you out run game, and that's what he's trying to bring to Nebraska. It's not that you can't have some success doing it that way, but then you if you're not good at it, you're not disciplined at it, and then you can't hold up against the more physical teams, that leads to devastation. So more on that later uh, or at another time. Check that out. Um, Wisconsin, speaking of them, what a disappointing loss for that group as they clearly got outplayed. And what a great job for Washington State. Just, just unbelievable job for them to get a win obviously by a former um
1: judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com
2: it's my little escape
1: now judy's the life of the party
2: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
1: whoa take it easy judy
2: Just just a great job there as Washington State's able to get a win. Uh, it was very impressive. They were 17-point underdogs. Um, you know, it's just it's, – it's, you know, Jake Dickert, when he took over the job, he took over when Nick Rolovich was embroiled in that controversy he wouldn't take the vaccine, and he lost the job. So Jake comes in, not much expected this year. Now, Jake was born in um, – Waukesha, Wisconsin, about 65 miles from Camp Randall Stadium. Played for Wisconsin Stevens Point And, and he's, he's a Wisconsin guy. Is, is, I mean, he's got cheese running all the way down his, his, his chin. And he's just as Wisconsin as Wisconsin can be. Whole family was there to pull a win. Big win for them. A very tough loss for Wisconsin. But it is out of conference. And we're talking about, a team that's still going to be competitive in the West. As Iowa goes down in a loss to Iowa State, they always beat Iowa State. They didn't this week. It can't score at Iowa. I mean, they just, the offense is offensive. It is painful. It is not only unimaginative, it's ineffective. Now, as the season goes along, they'll be more effective running it, and they'll find a way to, craft enough. This is ruining a really good defensive team. They can line up and will line up and cause problems for good offensive teams this year. They just can't score and is a really big problem. So, um Houston drops one to Texas Tech, another um you know, tough performance, Houston two weeks in a row. This has been kind of Dana Holkinson's M.O. They've got a lot of talent, I think as much talent as any G5 team, and they were in, they've were they been inconsistent the first two weeks of the season. So that's kind of a look up into the uh, top 25 in and the the goings-on there. Uh, how do I grade the teams? Well, a couple of things I want to get to. Um, there are a number of directions, and again, for those of you who don't know that they're new to me here with the, the Big Game Podcast Network, which is, again, I want to stress, if you haven't, you need to check out the Big Game College Football Streaming Network. You're going to hear about it soon. Get familiar with it. It's where you go to find America's Best Independent College Football Podcast. My role here is to provide you a overview of the college football, kind of a top 25 overview every week. You can find my work at LandryFootball.com and the Landry Football Podcast Network. My background, it's a college coach in the SEC, college recruiting coordinator in the SEC, then moved on to the NFL as a coach for Bill Belichick, scout. And so that's where I kind of come from these, you know, analysis. It's inside the film room. And so when I look at these games and look at these teams – there are different ways that I maybe look at a game and grade personnel and grade teams, and I look at them in about 20 categories. No, I'm not going to go through all of them for you, but I'm looking at, you know, the not just a quality opponent, but a checklist. Uh, it's the eyeball test to some degree, but the ability to score from different positions on the field. Because how well you play and how well you do against a given opponent is one thing. But can you run it when you have to? Can you pass it when you have to? What's your ability to run a four-minute offense versus loaded fronts? Your ability to move the ball, the air in two-minute situations versus multiple coverage and pressure looks. Your red zone efficiency, your third-down efficiency. Do you have personnel advantage uh, matchups against a variety of opponents? And then same thing defensively, your red zone efficiency. Can you defend their run with their base, or do you need to load the box to defend the run? Can you rush the passer with your base without blitzing? Because that affects your ability to cover, right? How effective are are you with your blitz looks? Can you play multiple coverage looks and be effective? What personnel advantages do you have against a variety of of opponents? Can you get off the field on third downs? And then special teams, your coverage units, how effective against a variety of returns, Uh, how much return yardage is given up, Are you winning the hitting yardage battle. Uh, Do you maximize... Maximize points in the red zone. Um, You know, you eliminate big plays. Things I look for in evaluating statistically average yards per passing attempt, average rushing attempt, third down percentage, turnover margin, margin and penalty differential. So I'm looking at different things uh, in each game. Some things that impress me this week individually. Um, We talked about Georgia Southern, but Kyle Ventries. What the, SC, the Sun Belt has done has been really impressive. What Georgia Southern has done in Vantries in 2-0, he's thrown for 367 yards and four scores against Morgan State, 409 yards and a touchdown against Nebraska. Very, very impressive. Um, not real impressive with the, with the Gators' offense. Impressive, Washington State's Cameron Ward. I mentioned him. We talked about the upset over Wisconsin. Cameron Ward comes from Incarnate Word, uh, the transfer. He has been outstanding the first two weeks. Uh, we mentioned Wisconsin. but they have struggled against Power 5 teams in September. That happens sometimes with developmental programs. Get better as the season goes along. They're struggling now. On Attaboy, I'm giving a clap to the Sun Belt Conference. What a job they have done. They have played well. It's Old Dominion. It's Georgia Southern. Uh, really, really uh, – Really, really good job that they have done uh, in terms of uh, performances in, in the early stages of the season. Um, I mentioned a little bit about a Michigan; it's a pretty good team. Uh, I'm curious to see how much better they they will be. <clears throat> Give credit to Syracuse. No, they're not a top 25 team, but boy, what a job that Garrett Strader, the, the quarterback, has done. He's been very effective the past couple of weeks. Add a boy to Steve, uh, Stephen Gilmore. Um, this is Stephon Gilmore's little brother. What a game he had against Notre Dame for Marshall. He not only got the, the closed the door pick six, but he played well all game along. How about some freshmen? How about Nicholas Singleton, running back from Penn State? Uh, really good performance. He played well. He broke nine tackles on 10 carries. He had 170 yards after contact. Uh, he ripped off three 40-plus yards in the game. Look, uh, I want to see him do it against better opponents, but did a really good job there, really impressed with he did. So some game balls, uh, I want to give one to him. I want to give one to Marquise Crosby of Louisiana Tech also. I thought Charles jo- Charlie Jones of Purdue did a good job. Marvin Harrison Jr. did a good job. Marvin Mims, uh, those are my two receivers. I thought Dalton Kincaid bounced back against a weak opponent for Utah at tight end. Offensive line uh, in a loss, I thought, the left side of the offensive line of Wisconsin played well. I thought Brent Nielsen has played well for two weeks in a row for USC at center. Um, so those are some thoughts. On the defensive side of the ball, i got to tell you, Texas State's doing a really good job. They've got a defensive tackle in Levi Bell that's very, very good. Uh, I think Derek Hall has played very well for Auburn. I thought Derek Parrish did some good things at edge rusher for Utah. Um, you know, the linebacker play, uh, I mentioned uh, – the Texas Tech in their win against Houston, but the Merriweather kid played very well. I thought Kyle um, Soli at Arizona State did a good job. I mentioned Stephon Gilmore. I think Cordell Rogers of Texas State did a good job uh, as well. How do I grade the teams? I mentioned that. So how do I have them graded?
0: That's
2: ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: How, the scale that I use is, you know, it's important, I think, to grade them before you go ahead and rank them. Okay, what difference does it do to say here's one, two, three, four, five, six. Where is the separation? I grade teams like I grade players on a draft board. There's no such thing as, well, these are the top five linebackers. Who are the guys that are first-round graded that can come in and help you immediately? Which one of the guys are the potential starters? Which one of the guys are make a roster? And do, You have to grade them correctly. There's one team right now that's playing elite level, and that's Georgia. Folks, this will change each and every week. Okay, maybe it will. I mean, Georgia may not change. They may be dominant every week, but it doesn't mean that Alabama can't win a national championship, that Ohio State can't win a national championship. But right now, they're not playing like that. They don't have to play it right now, grading it in real time. Blue is elite team, national championship caliber, and there's only one team right now, and that's Georgia. The light blues are the outstanding teams, team with some of the qualities of a national championship but fall short in some areas, but likely a playoff team. That's Ohio State, and that's Alabama. They're good. They can move up into the dark blues, as we like to call them, and That's where I see that. Right now, red teams, very good teams, A team that's very good but falls short of national championship caliber and would only get in if there are not enough blue teams. Well, I've only got three blue teams. Clemson is that red team. Then I would look at the purple teams, and these are the teams that are good teams that can compete week to week and beat other good teams but don't match up against the blue-grade teams, and they usually fall short against the reds most of the time. Those teams right now are the Michigans, Oklahoma, USC. Need to see more of them, though. Uh, Kentucky I would throw in there. Arkansas. Miami's off to a good start. Good performance against Southern Miss. I forgot to mention them in the top 20 breakdown. They are playing well, and I'm very excited to see about that matchup against Texas A&M. I think Tennessee's did a nice job in some areas against Pitt. I think Oklahoma State. Watch out for Michigan State. I think BYU's a team that's tough and physical. There's some others, but those are maybe the best of the purples right now. You are not defined by those grades over the entire year. It is a week-to-week and an adjustment. Going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, Kind of giving you a little bit of a viewpoint of Where things look this uh, week, this next week, I'm really excited, and we're going to be breaking down for you on Landry Football a lot of key matchups. I want to see, obviously, how Auburn and Penn State play this type of game and who ends up becoming a little bit – uh, more of the aggressor here. I'm curious to see uh, Mississippi State, LSU. Michigan State is playing well. I think they got an intriguing matchup going on the road against Washington. I mentioned Miami A&M. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, not a lot of prime games, but there's some intriguing games. Oklahoma-Nebraska. Nebraska. Um, you know, going to be quite interesting uh, as well. So some matchups I want to see, want to break down. We're going to be breaking it down for you uh, over at LandryFootball.com. Hey, we're going to be here. Uh, hopefully every week uh, is is our plan to bring you the breakdowns, the scouts eye on college football look at the top 20 and an overview of college football, things that are going on. We appreciate your feedback. Um, all part of the Big Game Podcast Network, where you can find America's best independent college football podcast. So they are going to be breaking out all the different individual conference shows, uh, individual team shows, rather, that are going to give you the best information, the best uh, fun, uh, fan interactive viewpoint that you're going to be able to. Find out all the details about. Check out the Big Game Podcast Network. It's uh, been fun. We'll do it again next time. I'm Chris Landry. Um, See you at LandryFootball.com and on the Big Game Podcast Network.